listening to the Refinery Church Podcast. Each message is from our most recent weekend service located on our downtown Brea campus. We hope you are encouraged and strengthened from today's episode. Now for a timely message from Senior Pastor Kelly Fellows. Were you guys ready to get into the Word of God? Man, we're coming to the end of our series here. It's been such a powerful series. I hope that you are seeing and understanding that joy is more than a feeling, that it is a lifestyle, it is a condition of our heart, and that is a position, a condition and a position that God wants us to walk in so that we can go through difficult times with peace, with hope, and with joy. Last week, we continued through chapter 4 of Philippians. There's four chapters in the book of Philippians. We've taken the entire summer to break down each one of those chapters. How many of you guys appreciated Pastor Jared when he did his teachings while I was away on vacation? Give it up for Pastor Jared. We loved your word, Pastor Jared. Last week, we camped out on one verse. Everybody say one verse. Camped out on one verse, which I believe is like a vitamin for your soul. It's one, it's one of my absolute favorite verses, and it's one of the verses that I use to encourage myself on a regular basis. I'll put it up here on the screen. It's from Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I'm going to ask us all to read it together on the count of three. One, two, three, go. For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This verse is power-packed. It's a vitamin. It reminds you that God... God's power will strengthen you, and you can make it. I got a bunch of emails this week uh, from many of you, and even some text messages saying, thank you, Pastor Kelly. That is exactly what I needed, and now I'm encouraging myself on a regular basis, because that's what we need to know, not to be discouraged, but to be encouraged that God wants to empower us to do all things, to face the impossibles and believe that there's a possible God that wants to do miracles in our life. Amen? So today what I want to do is we're coming to the end of chapter four. We're beginning to wrap it up. And next week, I'm going to sum everything up and put a bow on top of it. I have an encouraging word for this week, but we're going to be wrapping up the chapter four this week. And like any great letter, if you, if, if you remember letter writing, how many of you guys remember letters? Did anybody ever write a letter when you were younger? Yeah, you still do. Okay. I'm not talking about emails. I'm not talking about text messages or emojis. I'm talking about letters where you have an opening, a welcome, a greeting, a salutation. And then you have the body of the letter. And at the very end, you give those nice little thank you very much. So for looking forward to seeing you again, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Paul does this too. He opens Philippians with affirming and thanksgiving, right? For the, the people in Philippi. And then he ends his letter with just kind of a final statement and a final charge, a salutation, you might say. We're going to pick up right after verse 14, and we're going to look right at verse 15, and I'm going to read it a little bit. If you have your Bibles, you can open it up on your Bible app or follow along on the screens with me. Here we go. Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 15, says, As you know, Philippians, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. The Philippians, by the way, were a generous church and it reminds me a lot of refinery. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously, everybody say generously. 
I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God, here we go, this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, all glory to God, our Father, forever and ever. Amen. Can we pray real quick? Thank you, Lord God, for your word that speaks truth. In a world today, Lord God, where, where truth seems to be relative, where truth seems to be dependent on one person's position or opinion, we can come to your word and know that we are reading the truth. So now, Lord, let that truth sink into our heart. Do a work in us and let it produce a harvest in our soul in the name of Jesus Christ. Can you agree and say amen? Amen. amen. So my parents, as we break down this scripture, let me start with a little story. My parents, Mike and Vivian Fellows, adopted me, some of you know, adopted me when I was just an infant. I was born and I was taken from my birth mother's birth and, um, <laughs> without getting graphic, and handed to Vivian Fellows. She was actually there present at my birth, which was a, a unique situation back when I was born but it was a beautiful situation. And so Mike and Vivian Fellows adopted me right at birth. Um, Mike and Vivian were 50 years old when they adopted me. Talk about sacrificing, right? By the time you're 50, you're starting to go, okay, I'm ready for the kids to get out and us to have, start having fun. And Mike and Vivian selflessly said, we will take on this baby. Because some would say he was an unwanted pregnancy, but I remember my mom very clearly saying to me, oh, no, no, we wanted you before you were born. And so my mom and dad always raised me to believe that I was wanted, and I never felt unwanted. They adopted me when they were 50 years old, and I had no other siblings. Uh, mom, Vivian, she had had a child from a previous marriage, and she already had children of her own. And so when I was born, I was the only child. That's what's wrong with me. <laughs> that probably should explain a lot of things to you guys, right? Mom, Vivian, she came from a family of six. My dad came from a family of 16. He was the oldest of 16 and brothers and sisters. So when I came on the scene, I think my dad was so traumatized by having 16, he's like, this is the only one I want. One. I came from a family of one. Me, myself, and I. I was the only one. And you know, growing up as an only child, there's some pros and cons, you know, to being an only child. Are there any only children in here? Wave at me if, any, if oh, there's one, there's two. Okay, there's a couple. There's a few of us uh, mentally. I mean, uh, wonderful people. <laughs> Y'all agree with me, right? Um, the pros of being an only child, we got our parents' undivided attention. It was all about us, right? Then the con is, we got our parents' undivided attention. We did. I mean, it, was, it, it could be tough at times, right? Because it was only about us. Uh, one of the pros, I never had to share my toys. I, they're all mine. All my Star Wars figurines, those were all my Star Wars figurines. Nobody was blowing up or eating or stepping on my Star Wars toys. They were mine. That was the pro. The con was playing catch was kind of hard. <laughs> playing tag, I, I always won and I always lost. It was very, and, and of course, when you go to the park to play on the seesaw, this, is, this was me when I would go to the park playing on the seesaw. That would be me. 
Yeah, not, not really fun. I would jump up and down. All right, and then I jump up again. All right, there we go. That was me on a seesaw. Pro, one of the pros about being an only child, I had a vivid imagination. Man, I had voices for all those little Star Wars figuring. Mm, Yoda, mm, yes, think wise. Yes, I could, I could impersonate all the, I had a vivid imagination. Uh, the con was, there was no one to blame when something was broken or something happened. There wasn't the who did this. My dad just immediately said, Douglas, Sean, Kelly, fellas. He, they gave me lots of names because I was the only child. They said, we're going to give you all the names of all the children that we would have had if we'd had more children. So my full name is Douglas Sean Kelly Fellows. So I never had a Douglas or a Sean in my life. It was just Kelly Fellows. So that's my alter ego, actually. So if you ever hear me call myself Douglas, it's because I'm trying to be a sibling or something <laughs> that I never had. You know, Douglas Sean as an only child, I never had to share. Never had to share. Think about it. There was nobody that forced me to give over part of my meal. There was nobody taking some of my food. There was nobody taking advantage of my youthfulness and saying, that $5 bill, oh, that's just paper. Go ahead and give it to me. Like siblings like to do, right? Hey, uh, that, that, that's, that, that's worthless. That $10 bill, that's worthless. Just go ahead and give it to me. I never had anybody like that. I never had to share. Um, what that means is that I was really good at receiving, but I wasn't so good at giving. I never had to. Who did I give to? I never needed to. I didn't realize that this was actually an issue until I started dating who would become my wife, my girlfriend at the time, Leah. Leah was 16 years old. I was 17 years old. And I remember going to their house for the first time. And I was experiencing a family dynamic that I had never faced before. These people love to share and they love to give. Matter of fact, my mother-in-law, Pam, is here today. And I, I've never met somebody who was so giving. She would give the last bite of food. She would give her favorite thing over to you. She was always inviting people over to the home to share. This was new to me. Matter of fact, I thought it was kind of weird. Why would people do that? I remember taking Leah on one of our first dates, kind of during that first couple of weeks of dating. We uh, were going to the movies, and we ran by McDonald's, so we drove through McDonald's, and we ordered, and she only ordered a hamburger. I'm like, sure. I'll take a Big Mac, quarter pounder, uh, extra large fry, a soda. You just want a little hamburger? Okay, that's fine. And I can remember, as we started to eat our food, I saw her hand go in the bag, and out came French fries. My French fries. And I remember thinking to myself, this relationship ain't going to work. Those are my fries. And I, and I remember saying, oh, Leah, did you want fries? She goes, that's okay. I'll just have some of yours. That does not make sense. If you want fries. And I even said, oh, if you want some fries, I'll, I'll run back and get some fries. She goes, no, 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 I'm fine. And I see her reach in the bag and pull out some more fries. What the heck? Little did I know that this is part of the family. This is we share. I would go to dinner at their house, and I would watch her and her sister. You know, one sister would put some food on her plate. The other sister would put something else. And the, the first sister would go, well, wait a minute. What do you got over there? Uh, that, that's kind of good. And they'd say, oh, yeah, I like yours too, and start eating. We'd go to restaurants. Well, and Pam would always say, well, what are you having? She'd ask everybody around the table. She still does that to this day. What are you having? Well, what are you having? What are you having? Because she wants to know what she gets to graze off of all around the table. 
because the family just shares. They just share. This was hard for me. As a matter of fact, I remember, I remember thinking to myself, the first time Leah took some of my fries, I remember thinking, that's rude. <laughs> that's just rude. It wasn't rude. It would happen over and over again. And I learned a lot from that family. But I was still moldable. I was still shapeable. And I was still learning. See, I'd just given my heart to Jesus just a few months before I started dating Leah. I didn't understand that the heart of God is a giving heart and that we are created in his image. And so we are designed to be givers. You may not know this or not, but we are designed because we're created in the image of God and God is a giving God that we are created to be givers, that we are more fulfilled when we give than when we receive. And that's what we're going to talk about here this morning. At first, it bugged me that Leah was so giving. She would give everything away. She'd give our time away. She would give uh, anything that she had, she would give to somebody. Matter of fact, even to this day, if there's somebody who has a need, Leah is the first one to say, well, let's give. Let's do this. At first, it bugged me. But after I started to give, a feeling started happening in me that I'd never felt before. I remember being 17 and 18 years old and feeling these feelings going, I've never felt this. What is this feeling? See, the feeling of getting was good, right? I liked it. But that feeling kind of went away really fast. Have you ever noticed that on Christmas time? You get a gift and you play with it for a little while if you're a small child and then you move on to the next thing because you got to get. That's the thing with getting. You got to get more to keep that feeling going. But there's something about giving that lasts and it touches a deeper part of us. I begin to feel this feeling and go, getting is good. But giving is better. And I begin to learn this and I begin to feel this and experience this. It's hard to explain, but the words of Jesus sum it up. Take a look at this scripture verse in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Leah began to teach me, this family began to teach me the principles and the truth of the words of Jesus found here in the book of Acts. And it says, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. And Jesus, remember Jesus, God in the flesh, creator of the universe, creator of you and I, says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. The God of the universe, Jesus Christ, God in flesh, says there is a greater blessing. It is better for you if you give than you receive. There's a greater special blessing when we give. Now let's look back at what Paul says in verses 15 through 17. He says, as you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help. Think about Paul. He's traveling around. He's bringing the gospel to all these people. And he identifies there was one church that was generous. There was one church that was generous, and there was the church in Philippi. When I first brought you the good news and then I traveled from Macedonia, no other church did this. And I'm not going to say shame on the other churches, but there's definitely a blessing that Philippi received over the others. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent more help than once. And here we go. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward. Everybody say reward. I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. Paul says there's a reward for giving. 
There's a reward when we give. We think the reward comes when we get, like a gas card. But God, through the Apostle Paul, and when Jesus was here on earth, all say, no. There's a reward when you give. And that reward is that three-letter word, J-O-Y. Say it. Joy. Joy. If you're wondering how to get joy, give. Very simple. You want to get joy? Be a giver. Be a giver. And you will experience real joy. Not just the charge of getting something going, yeah, my cool toy, cool car, cool this. But when you give, there's greater joy. Think about how you feel when someone who is in need and you selflessly give to that need. One of the things that Lee and I love to do is when somebody's not feeling well, we love to make chicken pot pies. Uh, some of you wave at me if you've received one of our chicken pot pies. There's a few of you in here, yeah, that have received our chicken pot pies. That is something we love to give. And I feel so good because I know how darn good those chicken pot pies are. But I also know how good it's making you feel when you're feeling bad. Man, that makes me feel good. That fills me with joy to give. It's a selfless, selfless, sacrificial feeling. Now, some would say, well, well, Pastor Kelly, that sounds a little selfish if you're giving so that you receive a feeling. See, some people would say that, well, that, your motivation is wrong, Pastor Kelly. You should be giving just to give. Well, when I go to the ocean, God wants me to appreciate the beauty of the sunset, Right? And how many of you know there's a great feeling at sunset when it's setting over the ocean? Those of us who enjoy Southern California here. That's a wonderful feeling. You know, God wants you to feel that feeling. That's why he made the sunset so stinking beautiful. Come on. It could have been black and white and gray like Andy Griffith's show, you know? And there's this white thing going down behind this gray thing, and now it turns black. That could have been boring, but God didn't do that. He put the rainbow of colors at sunset because he wants you to feel that joy. When you smell the beautiful flowers and fragrances in nature, when you're walking through a forest after a rain, anybody ever experienced something like that? Man, there's a feeling that comes over you when you breathe in. See, you're designed to enjoy that. That's because you have a loving father who wants you to experience these things. When you taste, name your favorite fruit, mango, watermelon, whatever. Think of a, your favorite fruit right now, whatever it is, strawberry, apple, oranges, whatever it is. Isn't it good that God didn't make all that taste like chicken? That'd be boring. But no, God makes pomegranates. He makes mangoes. He makes all these delicious, and we all go, mm, that's so great, and he wants you to experience that. When you give, it's not a self, selfish thing. God wants you to experience the joy. It's a reward to being a giver. So don't resist it. Embrace it. And go, this is a feeling that God wants me to experience. It's not selfish. So what you could say, if you're kind of playing with this little idea... The reward for giving equals, take a look at this, receiving. Right? Because it comes back to you. 
You never intended it to be this way, but you give and then you receive something better. That's what Jesus said. Listen, look, 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 look what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. This is a profound thing. It'll blow your mind. Jesus, again, Jesus, God, give and it will be given back to you. Your gift will return in full. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. Running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Pretty simple. You give a little, you get a little back. You give a lot, you're going to get a lot back. I heard one time, one actor said, well, I believe the universe is always looking. And I'm going to send good thoughts out into the universe, and I know I'll get good thoughts back. Okay, I get that. But, you know, Jesus said way before you ever came up with this new age idea, Jesus said, give and you'll get back. See, it's not just about sending good thoughts out in the universe. It's about obeying God's word and doing what he says and being a giver because you're designed to be a giver. It's the way he designed you. And when you give, now God is able to bless you and you're able to receive back. True principle. Matter of fact, you should try exercising this principle. Say, God, I'm going to trust you in this. I'm going to do what your word says and I'm going to be a giver and I want to see. Matter of fact, let me read this to you. Give and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Jesus himself is saying that this principle of giving generously leads to receiving abundantly. But if you give a little, you receive a little. You receive a little. So as a follower of Jesus Christ, the Bible is very clear. We are called to be generous givers. And that's why one of the values here at Refinery is that we are a generous church. And I wanna challenge us because as the economy gets tight and as tensions between people and opinions and groups and cultures would cause us to turtle up and keep, I think God wants us to know, no, 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 no. I want you to be the people that are giving. Giving and extending forgiveness, giving and extending love, giving and extending finances, giving and extending resources, not hoarding, but giving so that we can live this out. We see this throughout the Bible. I just want to take a couple of minutes to highlight this. We see throughout the Bible in the Old Testament, the book of Exodus chapter 35, all the Israelites have been called together to build the tabernacle, the place where God would dwell in their midst. God says, build a tabernacle right in the middle of the camp, and I will dwell there, and I will be with you in the middle of the desert, in the middle of the wilderness. I will be there with you, but it's up to you to build it. And so in Exodus chapter 35, all the people of Israel begin to bring their stuff. They look around their houses. They look around their tents go, okay, I'm going to bring this to the tabernacle. I'm going to bring this to the tabernacle. Here's the reality. If any of those people decided to withhold those material goods, the tabernacle would never have been built and they would not have experienced the presence of God. But instead, they sacrificially gave and thus they experienced the presence of God. Why? Because we're designed to be givers. And there's a blessing when we give. There is. And like the Apostle Paul says, I don't tell you this because I need more. I want you to receive the reward. 
See, we're called to be givers, not for Pastor Kelly, not, not, not for the church, but so that you can be blessed, so that you can understand that experience, that blessing from the Lord. A little further in the Bible, in the book of Malachi, check this out. Giving is the one area that God says, test me. You can test God. He wants you to test him in this area. Matter of fact, my friends Lisa and Sean Hillman, who are part of our congregation, they've told me numerous times the story of when they've said, I, we put this to the test. We put this passage of scripture to the test and we started being faithful givers and they experienced blessings like they never experienced before. Talk to them sometime. They'll tell you about their story. Here's what it says in Malachi 3.10. Bring the full tithe, that means tenth, a tithe into the storehouse. So the idea was that people were to get, bring 10% of their income, 10% of their harvest, 10% of their livestock, and bring it into the storehouse, which would have been the house of God, the tabernacle, or the temple. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. See, that's where it was. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. This is a passage of scripture that is a promise for us. If we will test the Lord and bring that into his storehouse, now we invite God and he opens up the windows of heaven and says, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to provide for you. Then in the New Testament, God demonstrates his heart to give. And what does the Bible say that he does? He doesn't just give gold, silver. He gives his own son. See, God's nature is to give. And the Bible says, for God so loved you that he gave his only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. The God of the universe gives the most precious thing his son. God's a giver. And he designed you in his image. And he expects you to be a giver too. So that blessing can flow into your life. A generous lifestyle is supposed to be the hallmark of God's people. Let me show you a couple rewards as I wrap this up. God rewards givers. And here's just a couple of rewards. If we're going to talk specifically. The first one is this. And I've talked about this in the past. One of the first rewards of being a giver is it breaks the hold of materialism. You understand we live in a consumer-based world, right? I mean, our entire economy, our entire culture is all about you getting more, getting bigger, getting new. The more you get, the more money flows into our economy and we can live this. I'm not downing consumerism, though I think there's a pitfall in there. Because I think the pitfall in consumerism is materialism, where we think we have to have more or else we won't be joyful and happy. We won't know joy. See, materialism says your happiness and your joy is measured by your possessions. We think for some reason the person who lives in the big house on the hill with the pools, with the cars is happier than you. And that's a lie. Because that happiness really is not based on possessions. Most cultures in our world measure success by stuff. Cars, homes, clothes, jewelry. What would it be like if we were in a society 
that instead of measuring success by how much we have, we measured success by how much each of us gave. To be givers. Not expect the government to do it, but that we would be the ones who are givers. When we see a need, we help meet a need. Over the past 10 years, Bill Gates, and you can have your opinions about Bill Gates, but Bill Gates has come to a realization in an article he recently stated in this interview. He said, fact number one, always striving to get more is ultimately unsatisfying. Bill Gates, one of the wealthiest men in the world, it's ultimately unsatisfying. He says, second fact, working to give more becomes addicting and it's more fulfilling. And that's why Bill Gates today is, is spending so much time giving. Secondly, here's a second reward. <laughs> I love this one. Number two is it starves the selfish monster. It's in all of us, right? Gimme, 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 gimme. A few months ago, I think it was last year, I talked about that movie, um, Little Shop of Horrors. How many of you guys have seen Little Shop of Horrors? Right? And I, last year, I talked about the, the selfish monster is much like uh, the, the plant in, in Little Shop of Horrors, right? Feed me. Feed me. I want more. All of us have that in us. That's why Costco is so stinking popular. We must have more. Bigger. This fact is when we give, you starve the selfish monster. Took a few years of me dating Leah, hanging out with the Placencia family for me to finally kill the selfish monster. And I can tell you, I did. I'm an only child, but I learned selfishness is not satisfying. Generosity is truly satisfying. I like the person I became as I gave more, more time, more talents, and more of my treasures to those who need him. I tell you, I loved giving away three cards more than I gave away one card. I was like, man, that feels so much, didn't it feel so much better for all three to get it? It did. That's called generosity. Generosity. Number three, take a look at this. And we're going to begin to wrap up. Number three, when we're giving, you know what we're doing? We're inviting God's blessing into our life. So you can hold on to it and say, this is mine, 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 mine. And your hands are closed like this because you're holding on to it. But when you open your hands and release and be a giver, you know what you've just done? You've opened your hands to receive a blessing from God. Because see, God wants to pour out blessing, but if your hands are closed too tight, you've got nothing to grab the blessing. But when we give, we open up to God's blessing. Remember, God's blessing. And his blessings are huge. They're huge. Later in Luke, I read, uh, I read from Luke 6.38 earlier. Let me, Luke chapter 18, Jesus would challenge his team, his followers, to a higher level of giving when he said this in Luke chapter 18. He says, and everyone who has given, say given, given up houses, brothers and sisters or fathers and mothers or children or property. I'm not saying give away your children, though some of you might want to do that. <laughs> but, but there's a priority here. So you know how that would translate today? When you say, you know what? We could be gone every single weekend to our kids' sports games. But you know what? We're going to take a break and we're going to give to the Lord and go serve at Refinery. 
Oh, but my children, they're, they're, they're sport. they won't get to play in the MLB. And God is saying, trust me, not the MLB. That's Major League Baseball, for those of you who don't know what that means. <laughs> and everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. See, some people have said, well, that's, that means in the afterlife. Jesus himself said, no, you get it now and later. Now and later, when you're a giver. When you're a giver, God designed it that way. This is mentioned, this passage is mentioned in three of the Gospels. And I've taught you guys here at Refinery, whenever you see something repeated in the Gospels, it's pretty stinking important. Pay attention. This is repeated in Matthew 19, Mark chapter 10, and Luke chapter 18. That means it's significant. Jesus means it's significant. A generous, giving heart is jugular to following and becoming like Jesus. Because Jesus gave everything. As I begin to wrap up, go ahead, Rachel and Nate, come on up here. Jesus, God of the heavens, creator of everything that you see, feel, hear, and taste, was in eternity. And you know what he did? He gave up. The Bible says in Hebrews, he gave up his position and stepped out of heaven. And the Bible says he took on the form of a servant. He took on human flesh. Why? So that you could be blessed. Jesus had everything. And he gave his life so that you could have eternal life. And you're designed in his image. And so you're designed to be a giver. This is how God has designed you and created you. Since the beginning of time, God knew the tendency for humanity to hoard, to keep. The storage industry in the United States is huge. Billions and billions of dollars are spent every year so you can keep your stuff. Come on, let's clean it out. Let's clean it out and be givers. God gave this principle, not for his sake. He doesn't need your stuff. You need to have less. And I'm not saying have less things and live a monk kind of life. I'm saying be generous. Be generous. Back in ancient times, it wasn't about money. It was actually livestock and produce because that was the trade of the day. And so God set up a principle with his people right away there in the book of Exodus, chapter 23. He tells his people, you need to bring your first fruits first to me. Or else the selfish monster, you're going to hoard it. And you're going to keep it. And you're going to want more and more and more of it. Bring the first fruits to me. Bring them into my storehouse. And then let me bless you. I've often told people, because I started, I learned this principle early on at the, at the Placencia home. I was waiting tables 
uh, at Marie Callender's. How many remember Marie Callender's? I was a waiter through college at Marie Callender's, and one of the things that I absolutely loved was as you waited tables, you would always come home with cash in your pocket, right? Man, I love that feeling. Every single night around midnight, one o'clock in the morning, I got this wad of cash in my pocket, and I could go out there and spend it right away. But the Lord showed me something. He goes, I want you to bring your first to me, Kelly. So I got this box, this little wooden box. And every single evening when I come home from waiting tables, I would reach into my pocket and I'd count out all my tips. How much did I make tonight? Oh, $150 in tips. This is back in the late 80s, early 90s. That was a lot of money. $150 in tips. And I would immediately take $15 and I'd stick it right there in that box. Wouldn't even see it again. First fruits. I didn't want to think about it. I'd just say, Lord, this is yours. And then when it came time for church, I would take that cash, and I wouldn't even really look at it. At first, I would just literally just grab it, because I didn't even want to know how much it was, and I would just throw it. We used to, at our church, we used to pass a plate, and I'd just throw it right in there. And I'd say, this is for you, God. I remember there was a season where I stopped doing that for a little while. And for some reason, the, the bills seemed to go up. And things began more challenging, and my tips began to go down, and I thought, what the heck? And then I read that passage of scripture again, where the Lord said, test me in this and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven. Started taking my tips again and put them in that box. And I can tell you, I stand here today. I've been doing this 35 years now. And God has been so faithful. Always, always, always providing what we need. I'm testing God, and God has been faithful. I heard someone say, well, Kelly, that's the Old Testament. Well, actually, the author of Hebrews chapter 7 endorses faithfully being a tither. If you want to model yourself after the book of Acts, the book of Acts tells us that in the early days of the church, they brought everything they had to the church, and they had everything in common. Yeah, some people hear that and go, I'll stick with the 10%. The 10% is good. I like the 10% one. Here's the main point. Generosity is a blessing for you. And I share this with you out of a heart like Paul that says, I want you to receive the reward of being a giver. There's a bigger blessing. And the principle of regular tithing demonstrates trust and faith in God. As I dated Leah, I learned the value of being generous. I like how it made me feel. I grew in my faith. And I dug into scriptures and I learned what it says in Acts 20, 35. It is better to give than receive. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed by today's message. For more great content and information about Refinery Church, find us at wearerefinery.com and our socials, We Are Refinery. If you would like to help support and give to the ministry, visit our website at wearerefinery.com forward slash give. See you on our next episode at the Refinery Church Podcast.